0: Welcome back to the Ways to Flourish podcast, where we discuss how to flourish their challenges and elevate voices across William & Mary's campus. Today, we are joined again by adjunct lecturer for mindfulness meditation and wellness professional Martha Rollo, along with staff member Gail Piscaris and two students today, Laura Beltran-Rubio and Sophia Sabardine. Thank you all so much for being with us today. How's everyone doing? Doing okay. Yes. Thank you, Lindsay. Happy to be here. I'm so glad that you're back. So it's been a challenging time for us, but all of you have really utilized a tool, a a practice, really, during the pandemic to bring harmony into your day. So tell us a little bit about that.
1: I saw the notice in the digest really very shortly after we started the work from home. And the time frame was the start of my workday. So from 8 to 8.15, I just chose that this would be a good way to start my workday with a meditation, and I've kept it up and I've been very fortunate to be a part of this group. It, it reminds me to, to breathe and take a step back from everything that's going on, the small stuff, the big stuff.
0: And Gail, I'm really curious, when you saw the opportunity on the Digest, what was the main motivating factor? I hear you saying that the time of day was very convenient, but what about that really pulled you into practicing mindfulness with Martha?
1: I've been a mindfulness student for about the past 10 years, and I've been open to the opportunities that have been coming up on campus. And so the fact that I was already familiar with meditation made it easy to step into this group and the idea of starting a day with a period of calmness before Moving on to everything else was just very beneficial to me, engaging, and also just found it pleasant.
0: And Sophia and Laura, what led you to this practice? I've been a student of Martha's
2: two years ago in mindfulness meditation class. And I really missed that class. I was abroad for all of my junior year and then I came back home because of the pandemic, and then I started to notice that these online classes were offered in the morning, and shortly then after, um, I decided to join, and just a really great way to start my morning, and also something to look forward to in the evening, and one of the things that definitely drew me towards continuing my practice was just the personal connection of just knowing Martha. I've also been a student of mindfulness for quite some time. But I think what really drew me in was the personal connection of just knowing Martha and her practice.
3: I came, I think, through yoga. I was completing the yoga teacher training right before the pandemic started. And Martha actually led some workshops for us on meditation as we were doing the training. And so that's when I started to be attracted to meditation Maybe without the movement, because for me, yoga is a sort of moving meditation, but I had never practiced just the meditation part of it. So after that workshop, I started trying to practice it on my own. And then as Gail said, right after the pandemic started, we received the notification that we were going to be able to do these meditation sessions. And for me, that was the best way to continue building the practice in a way that was new to me, that was not connected with the asana practice, but just a different. And for me, I think this is a different type of yoga as well. But it's, it's, yeah, and that's how I came to meditation.
0: And I would love to hear you all illustrate for us what your practice looks like, especially for someone who might not have experienced a mindfulness practice before, you know, from the beginning, like where you got started. How did you begin to incorporate consistency in the practice? And what does that look like for you?
2: Something that's pretty interesting for me is that my freshman year, I signed up for a, a Call 100 seminar called Meditation in the Mind. So it was three times a week, twice a week. It was formal teaching in a classroom, learning a lot, a lot about neuroscience and its applications to meditation, and just you know, very much of a scientific, like, mind approach to it. And then on Fridays, it was always experiential. We'd go into a big lecture hall and we would all sit there and practice mindfulness. And that was probably the start of my very much the consistent side of my meditation practice. We had to keep a journal throughout the whole semester. um, And that was a really interesting class. And I'm so thankful I took it, especially because I think a lot of people sometimes are hesitant to learn about mindfulness and its applications, but learning about the scientific approach and the experiential and just how it's intertwined was really special and definitely influenced on my practice today.
0: In the consistency there, that's really key to, to the practice. Martha, how does that shift from we just jump in and do this on occasion to incorporating a sense of routine into the mindfulness practice? Well,
4: you know, Linda, you said a couple of words right there, you know, consistency and the routine. And I think it's the message to ourselves that we want to show up in our world in a way where we feel present and where we can recognize what I call our inner landscape and not be always motivated from the unknown, but to get a sense of clarity. So for me it's it's really been wonderful to have this sense of community. And that's that's one of the mindfulness practices from 2,500 years ago when mindfulness was developed was uh, the sangha or the group of people having consistency supports each other. So we're, here we are supporting each other, even virtually, and beginning to say, oh, yeah, I am, I am connected. So showing up each day helps our brain train and helps us like going to the gym. We're showing up for our mindfulness meditation morning training, right, or afternoon training, whenever it is, to help the mind know it can settle. Right. And then the other piece is, is that we're not alone when we practice, that there are other people practicing and, you know, booing each other up as we come together.
3: And I think this group, part of it is very important. Um, And I think we about it previously so it's probably important for everyone in the group but it's also important for me because it's what has helped me build that routine I know that I will be seeing people that maybe I don't know in person but I share this space with them online so they are already part of my life and showing up for myself and for them as well and for this collective practice that we do together has been a very important part for me to become consistent in this practice and to keep doing it and I think that's very important for me because I have realized that I'm very good at doing all of these practices that help me feel better when I'm not feeling my best so when I'm very stressed when something large is upcoming when I have to you know send a draft of my dissertation to my advisor or something like that but when I'm feeling well I feel because I feel well I don't always want to do all of these practices so having a big group encouragement helps me keep doing it even if I'm feeling well because if I keep doing it when I feel well, then that means that there are going to be less occasions when I don't feel as well. I think it's kind of how I see it.
0: What's the difference between a practice when you're in that headspace where you need to manage stress and then also compared to being in that place where you're feeling well, what is the different outcome of the two different types of practices? Or do you think that it's all the same?
3: The outcome is probably the same, But for me, at least, the motivation is different because I know or I feel that I needed to feel better. But then in the end, I always end up feeling better and less stressed and more calm and maybe even more powerful to embrace whatever the world is throwing at me at any moment if I have been doing all of these practices. The thing is that maybe I don't notice that power that I have as much when I'm disconnected from myself because the stress and anxiety and everything else is taking me out of these practices that I know are good for me. I was going to
4: add that, you know, we we practice in the good times to help us when the tougher times appear. It's very much like we go to the gym, you know, not just before we have a race, right? We go to the gym to, Take that overall health, right, and say it's a commitment to our health. I think practicing really is giving that intentional message to ourselves, right? When we do something regularly, we're basically saying this matters, and the outcome is going to be from what we do in this in this moment, so that the skill set is built and the resiliency is built. So we have it across the board and and a bit easier to dip into or turn towards when we have the the tools continuing to be developed?
1: Right. I would say that meditation is part of my toolbox. And by practicing when I feel like practicing and when I don't feel like practicing and don't feel like I need it, it remains in my toolbox. So when something comes up in the middle of the day, I'm more likely to pull meditation, even if it's for a few breaths out of my toolbox to kind of center me in that moment that that is happening. And just take, kind of take that inhale and exhale and say, okay, I can do this. This will pass. I can get through this. And I call it my toolbox, you know, meditation. is, And it's lovely because the breath is always with you. I don't need anything else It's nice to have a yoga mat. It's nice to have a cushion to sit on. But if I'm in the middle of traffic, I can take a deep breath and exhale while I'm sitting at my steering wheel.
0: I love that, Gail. And I love that idea of the toolbox too, right? Like there's so many multiple resources that you can access from within that box. And I love that example of taking a breath at the stoplight because I know for myself sometimes, I feel like that's the only time that I have Um, to give myself that opportunity and just take a break from moving around so quickly. Uh, But for all the folks listening, other than our stoplight breathing techniques, what are some basic practices that people could start to explore and experiment with on their own?
2: Do what's best for you. I know I have a lot of friends that do meditation using apps. And I think at the beginning of the pandemic, I kind of fit into that craze too. And I was like, oh, give me the name of all your apps. I'm going to try them too. And then I noticed that I downloaded a bunch of them, but I never clicked to open them. And that's just because I'm a person who likes to connect with people, to see people, to have a commitment and say at 8 a.m. I'm going to meditate with people and I'm more likely to do it. And it just brings me a lot of joy. And so I learned that that's kind of what works best for me. And good thing that, you know, there are apps out there for people who prefer to use different methods. What has helped me a lot is just also being mindful, just walking outside, listening to the noises or the trees. And it just brings a completely different awareness that when you're so busy with school and you're stressed and you're running from campus from one place to the other, like your mind is just so honed in on the issues that you have or just what's right in front of you, that you don't take a step back to look at the broader picture of the world and to enjoy what's there. So one of the takeaways has definitely been to just Take a moment
1: and look around and see what's above me. Yes, I, I do a walking meditation myself and there's a lot of pauses as I'm walking to pay attention to the sounds that are around me or even just standing still and looking at what is around my feet to see, you know, is something green sprouting? Is there is there a flower nearby? And just not racing from place to place, just taking that time to, to pause.
3: Yeah, it's the same for me and just finding different moments in the day in which I can include these practices. And sometimes they can be longer than others, but I think that's also important to to learn how to build meditation into your daily routines. And even in the BCS days, if it just means going outside and breathing fresh air um, for a few minutes or listening to the sounds of nature or the city around you, I think that counts.
4: I really love to hear how you all are using it outside and, you know, Lindsay, as we've talked about before, that really the mindfulness, the first foundation of mindfulness is the body. So as we've listened to Gail and Sophia and and Laura talk, that sense of being able to be outside and use what we call our sense doors, right? Allow the ears to hear the sounds, allow the eyes to receive the sights, receive the smell, and then just feeling change in temperature and texture, really helps us come right back to this moment. And the other beauty, which was also being said, is that we really get to remember when life feels small that really we're a part of such a bigger landscape, right? We are connected to nature, right? I I love this analogy. It comes from um, Mark Coleman that talks about, you know, we have our own lungs, but it's like nature that breathes for the world right so we're as we breathe so does so does nature and that connection is a way to help us come back to here and now not feel that sense of isolation call it kind of tightness and contraction so whatever can be done in the body is enough feeling the feet walking even feeling the chair allowing the body to just be heavy in the chair is great paying attention to the hands right noticing that doorknob when you open the doorknob oh yeah right? I'm touching a doorknob right now is a is a simple way. So training through the formal practice is really, and I call it a training because it is, it takes a discipline, it takes an intentionality, but we don't, we're not looking for perfection. We're not looking to go anywhere. Every practice is a good practice, right? No matter what shows up. But we also, as been shared, we have all these other informal moments Where we wake up. We will never be mindless for a whole day. We will wake up and we want to capture those moments when we wake up.
0: And Martha, how can we connect with you and your community? When are you teaching your classes?
4: I am doing meditation Monday, Wednesday, Friday from 8 to 8.15. There is on Saturdays from 9 to 9.45. Uh, I teach yoga that's really very focused on meditation in the sense that I do lead meditation beginning and the end. So it's really a, a mindfulness focus.
0: Well, we appreciate you all sharing your stories about your journeys and your practices. Is there anything else that you all would like to share? Thoughts get to me, and I would always have thoughts that came into my mind, and I
2: didn't know how to get rid of them. And I thought that, oh, the more I meditate, the, the better I become at this. The thoughts will just disappear, and you know that's just how meditation works. And then the teacher that I had in my call class, meditation of the mind, he kind of used an analogy, and he said thoughts are kind of like clouds on the horizon, and like the wind blowing by. So you, you see the thought, you notice it, and then you just let it pass. And since I heard that, it was so valuable. And now I don't attack my thoughts anymore when they come to the practice. I kind of just see them and I'm like, okay, like you're there. And then I let it pass. And then I'm more at peace with it. If that can help anyone. I hope you can use that as well.
0: I love that, Sophia. And that sense of, you know, the connection between our mind and, and our body and noticing that sometimes we have these thoughts that pass through our mind that don't label us or identify us. Um, and letting them float by, recognizing them for what they are, the stories that they tell us about ourselves that we might believe or might not believe. And I just think it's so crucial for us to take this time, you know, to create that pause and go back and be able to give our true full selves. So that's what I appreciate about it. Thank you all so much for being here with us today on the Ways to Flourish podcast. We appreciate your time. And thank you to our sponsor, United Healthcare, for the support of this podcast. Ways to Flourish is produced by Eric Garrison, Lindsay Heck, Brittany Immons, Colin Cross, Jenny Hellmendoller, Ben Heath, and Daria Moody.